If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. I want to introduce you to our audience uh, as, we, as we continue. Now, you, uh, you own a gym, uh, the Team Super Training Gym. You uh, used to be a professional wrestler. You're an elite powerlifter, so you competed at a very high level. Um, and you're an inventor of the slingshot, which um, has, I think, it, when, in the last 15 years, I can't think of too many things that have, uh, you know, accessories that have been just embraced by the strength community as much as the slingshot. Uh, awesome tool. Right. Um, you have a podcast, uh, the Mark Bell uh, Power, Powercast. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then you and your brother work on, have done some documentaries together. Um, the most recent one, uh, which has just uh, been released, which was uh, Prescription Thugs. Pill Thugs, right. Right. Excellent. Now, um, with Prescription Thugs, uh, let's go into that a little bit. It's got, it's got some great reviews. Um, and you guys are touching on a very sensitive subject uh, in the country. And that's the, uh, the, the, the addiction or the drug use problem, but not the illegal drug use problem. We're talking about the prescription drug use problem and how many right. people are using right. those. What did you guys find when you guys were making this? Uh, it, it must have blown you away with some of the statistics that you, you guys kind of uncovered. Yeah, you know, uh, I think a, a huge uh, problem that we face, uh, there, there's a couple things. I mean, there's two sides to the picture, you know. There's, uh, first of all, prescription pain, uh, prescription medication uh, does serve, uh, it does serve a purpose for uh, many, many individuals and many reasons, uh, especially when it comes to things like uh, pain management. Uh, let's say somebody, uh, like uh, more recently, my father, he actually fell recently. He's uh, 66, 67 years old, and uh, he just kind of fell kind of weird and, and ended up with a lot of pain. And so he's prescribed some uh, pain medication. But he took the pain medication for two or three days, and then he got off of it because he knows the dangers of it. He knows what my brother kind of uh, went through, and he also knows uh, the research and stuff. He, he's, he was made aware of it. And the problem uh, becomes is when the consumer is not really made aware of uh, just how dangerous some of these medications can really be. Like I mentioned already, is that they do serve a purpose. I don't want to ever uh, you know, say that some of these things don't serve a purpose, but there are also some medications that are just literally uh, being pulled out of the sky that uh, people probably don't necessarily need. Uh, people could, something like restless leg syndrome, somebody could probably skip their morning cup of coffee and uh, solve that problem, you know? Well, I heard, um, you, I, heard, uh, I heard your yeah, brother... Yeah, there's a lot of... Go ahead, sorry, Mark. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I heard your brother mention that... Uh, uh, there's actually there's studies that back up that having what was, I believe a, a, ty, a Tylenol and an Advil is just as effective as somebody using like a uh, you know a prescription uh, opiate or yeah whatever. opiate like Vicodin or whatever for pain yeah relief. yeah you know there's yeah there's there's some research that that shows uh, things like that now however I mean you know you uh, you fall off a ladder and and you uh, break a bone um, Tylenol and Advil are not going to help. Uh, in the same fashion that uh, yeah. they might help a little bit with healing. They might help a little bit with the pain management, but it's not going to help like Vicodin. You know? yeah. It's not going to help to the same uh, strength level. Um, but my brother's point is that basically you can manage uh, tendonitis and arthritis. And you can manage uh, kind of your everyday bumps and bruises uh, pretty well with some of the things that you have available to you uh, over the counter. Well, I think what people don't realize with opiates in general is when you're using an opiate like a Vicodin, 
um, your body starts to adapt to it and you start to downregulate receptors and you stop producing your own natural opiates. And, and that actually happens in a relatively short period of time. And you use opiates every day for a few weeks. And before you know it, your body becomes physically addicted to these, to these pills. And where if you stop taking that dose, you get sick. You feel, uh, you know, you can feel like you're, you're coming down with something or you feel horrible. They, um, yeah, they, they become very, very addicting. And you're right. Like uh, when you stop taking them, you will feel worse than if you've never touched them uh, in the first place. It, it's kind of amazing how how bad they can make you feel. Um, but what 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 I think ends up being really truly addicting is uh, the high that you get from it. Like let's all just face reality. Like like uh, my friend Kelly Sturette, uh, you know, he does a lot of mobility stuff, and he says. When you do a mobility drill, when you go to do something, does it feel better? You test and retest it. Does it feel better or does it feel worse than before? And if it feels better, that's your kind of concrete evidence uh, with moving forward. And let's just all face the facts. Does it feel better or feel worse to be high or not high? It feels a little bit better to be high. It feels a little <laughs> bit better to have a little, a little tingle or a little sensation going on from having uh, two or three glasses of wine. Like, it, there's no, nothing wrong with admitting that. Like, it just feels better. Like, does it feel better to be stressed the fuck out from work? Or does it feel better to be, like, hanging out with your significant other, having a few drinks or hanging out with your best friend? Like, of course that feels better. And so... We're drawn to that. We're drawn to the escape uh, from reality for, for a few moments. And, and that high uh, becomes uh, very, very, very addicting. And then on top of that, as you mentioned, uh, those drugs, they literally make you feel sick. Like you have um, like a flu-like symptoms. You'll, uh, you'll feel sweaty and feel cold and feel hot all kind of at the same time. And it's, it's a really awful feeling. Um, I myself, you know, being a pro wrestler and doing, uh, you know, powerlifting for many, many years, for over 20 years, uh, have, you know, have uh, run into uh, some pain medications here and there. And even just uh, using them for uh, the small management of, of, of some uh, kind of uh, uh, minor injuries, uh, using them just for a few days, I felt the same thing. I felt withdrawals uh, just from using it for two or three days, pretty much as prescribed. Which is uh, which is kind of shocking, you know. I think people don't realize just uh, quite how addictive uh, some of these substances are. When you when you list and rank addictive properties of of different drugs, uh, opiates are among the top. In fact, they're 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 they are responsible for more deaths than almost any other drug that's out there. I you know I looked up some statistics earlier. And uh, in 2014, because I believe those are the most recent year we have these numbers, there were 47,000 overdoses on legal drugs. Legal drugs used, uh, uh, you know, prescribed to these people, 47,000 people died. Illegal drugs only killed about 17,000 people. So you're looking at, like, right, you're right. comparing like crack cocaine against, you know, like, you know, Vicodin and Oxycontin, and more people are dying from those prescriptions. Here's a statistic that really blew my mind. I couldn't believe this. Uh, in 2013, Big Pharma, which is, you know, the, obviously all these, all these companies, spent four, over $400,000 per congressman in lobbying. Per congressman. That is a staggering yeah. number. Wow. Yeah, staggering yeah, yeah. number. So, uh, I mean... I, well, and they're, they're... Go ahead. And their, their, behavior, their behavior is, um, 
you know, the behavior of the pharmaceutical companies are a direct byproduct of our behavior. Um, you know, we're being inundated with all these different things and hearing all these, di- hearing about all these different great drugs. So it's not a hundred percent our fault, but, uh, you know, luckily in this country, uh, they are not allowed to advertise, um, prescription pain medications on television and, and things like that. Uh, but they don't have to because you hear about it so much from uh, word of mouth. But I do think that, you know, people in general, you know, now that a movie like prescription thugs is out now that my brother's done that kind of research and has shown the world, you know, what those kind of things can do. People just need to be smarter and they need to just put their foot down and just not, not just not participate in, uh, in taking those drugs or ever even starting them in the first place. And I think that that would be a move in the right direction. Whenever you, whenever you purchase those drugs, you are voting for those companies. You are encouraging those companies to keep moving forward with, uh, the behavior that they have, you know? Well, it's interesting because um, obviously we're in the middle of a big wave of support for uh, like medical marijuana, for example, which is another substance that causes effects in the body, um, but it's also non-toxic. And, uh, you know, of course, you can't patent it, so it's very difficult to make a lot of money off of it if you're you know, a pharmaceutical company. Although but they're it's, trying. It's, it's, <laughs> they're it's, trying. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because uh, it, these are numbers that are coming out, but in states where medical mar- marijuana becomes legalized – uh, drug overdose deaths from opiate drugs drops, and it, it it makes sense that these companies would be against uh, the legalization of medical marijuana because there's a lot of people. I personally know people who um, were using opiates and were you know addicted who got off of them and went and used medical marijuana to manage their pain, and it was a much lesser of right. two evils. Well, I'm an example of that. I'm somebody who uh, who went through this, so. I was somebody who was introduced probably in my early 20s. Uh, it was probably like 23, 24, a buddy of mine. Um, and we were fitness guys working out all the time and stuff. So I was never really a big drinker. Although we'd go out an occasional weekend or whatever. But I was I never liked to drink a lot of beer because it affected my diet. I didn't feel good the next day. I couldn't train as well. And he introduced me to uh, Vicodin and said, you know, I just have one of these. You have it with a beer and you feel like you feel super drunk or you feel. And, I'm, and I remember the first time I tried that, and I was like, oh, wow, this is. This is cool. This is feel. I feel like I feel <laughs> yeah, like right, right. And yeah, it, was, it makes you feel amazing. Yeah, it did. It did. And it was. And at first, it was. It was not a big deal because it was something that you know I sporadically did. It wasn't something I did on a daily basis, and so I never felt any sort of addictions or issues like that. But because I used it recreationally like that, when I tore my ACL and MCL, the doctor prescribed me Vicodin. And I remember because I was in so much pain, and I'd already had introduced the opiate into my body that you know one wasn't enough. And I remember telling the doctor that. Right. You know, these I, I I don't feel like these are helping me, whatever. And they and she asked, well, how often are you taking? I said, well, the pers- the prescription says one every four to four to six hours. So I'm and I'm trying to stretch it to six as long as I can. She goes, oh no no no, you want to stay ahead of the pain, you know. So make sure if if you're if you're like that, you're taking them every four, or maybe even before that. And so I was like, oh okay. So I start taking them like right. every three hours or so. Before you know it, during this whole during my whole process, you know, I work my way up to about seven to nine of these fuckers a day. And, you know, no, and I, I'm not thinking otherwise. I feel great. I'm numb. I don't feel my pain and I don't feel like I'm super high or anything crazy. And then when uh, the surgery's done, I've recovered, I've gone through rehab and everything. If months go by, I decide I don't need them anymore. So I just stopped taking them. And I had never in my life experienced this. I've, and I've experimented most of my life with all kinds of different drugs and this and that. And this was the first time in my life that I ever felt what people had talked about, what addiction felt like. 
it was you know the physical right. the physical side of it. I've always um, been uh, prided myself on being somebody who's mentally tough and strong and you know if I don't want to do this I don't have to do this. I'm I have that discipline like that. And for the first time in my life, I I had felt the physical side of it, and it blew my mind. And I did at first I thought I just had this crazy flu, and I was I mean my nose was running, I had the shakes, I was trembling, I was hot, then I was cold, right, right, yeah. I could I couldn't sleep, I was tossing and turning, I was achy, and I just felt miserable. And the moment that I realized what was going on with me was I remember I had about two nights sleepless nights of feeling miserable. I thought, what the fuck is going on? This is the worst flu I ever had, and I took a Vicodin. And I went, not only did I feel better, but all of a sudden I felt amazing. And I went, holy shit, my body is so dependent on these things right now. And all the symptoms gone away as soon as I took one. And I mean, that was the first experience yeah. I had ever had. And I had to go through a whole. Now, luckily for me, and I've had family and people very close to me that have, have gotten up to 30 to 50 of these things a day and had to go to rehab and gone through the whole process right. um, uh, because of that. And I had experienced seeing it in other people. I had the discipline to kind of do it myself and wing myself off, but I'll never forget that experience. And I forever share that with anybody that I can, that I meet that uh, happens to take that or get involved with it because it's a, it is a monster like no other. I mean, like I said, I've, I've experimented with many drugs growing up as a kid and there's never been one that has, I've ever felt get a hold of me like that. Well, every, everybody's so quick to place judgment, you know, and that's a, uh... You know, something uh, with my oldest brother, you know, who I, I lost years ago, that's something uh, I always take uh, great pride in is that I never I never passed judgment upon uh, the, the things that ended up happening to him. I, I saw a lot of things happen firsthand. He was a very strong person. He was a very disciplined person. He loved to work out. Uh, he loved to play football. I mean, he had a lot of things he was very passionate about. Uh, but once, once addiction came into his life, it really, it really took him down. And he was one of the, he's one of the people I always admired growing up. He was my hero growing up and, you know, to see your hero taken down like that, it just made me realize at a young age that addiction is not something that just hits, uh, you know, poor people, or it's not just something you pass off and just say, Oh, it only happens to those dirt bags. And it always happens to people that are weak minded, you know, it made me realize at a young age, like that, that's something that could really jump up on anybody at any time, uh, whether you're wealthy or poor or, or anything in between, um, you start masking, uh, some of your daily life with, uh, with drugs or alcohol and it can sneak up on you in a very fast way. And it can sneak up on you and grab a hold of you in a way that, that you've never, you know, it could be much stronger, much more powerful than uh, anything you've ever faced before in your whole life. Well, it just seems to me like we have an industry, uh, like anything, like America does a lot of things really, really good. And one of the things that America is the best at in the world is we're the best at uh, marketing. We, we are the media giants of the world. You go anywhere in the world and you hear American music, you see American products. And, uh, you know, these, these pharmaceutical companies are allowed to, in some ways, and they're limited in others, but they're allowed to promote what they do and market what they do. And so it's no surprise that the consumption of prescription drugs, um, it grows every single year at, a, at an astounding rate. I, I know antidepressants are consumed at a very, very high rate as well in this country. Uh, I, I, can't, I don't know the exact numbers, but um, it's just, it, they're, they're, it's massive, massive consumption of antidepressant drugs. Meanwhile, you know, you kind of alluded to this earlier about, you know, calling us the fat, fattest country in the world. Meanwhile, we've got an obesity problem. We've got people who don't exercise and eat shitty. 
And um, so it only makes sense that we're going to take a drug to make us feel better because we're doing all these things that make us feel like right. shit. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and they also had, you know, in, in the film, in my brother's film, they talk about uh, how it's actually very rare to be bipolar. And the guy used the scenario of, uh, I think, something like polio or some sort of uh, very life-threatening disease from years ago. And he said when they created a vaccine for that, uh, it no longer existed. But when they created drugs for being bipolar, uh, the rate at which people became bipolar uh, increased by like 600% or some, some staggering, ridiculous number like that. So the drugs are not helping people that are mentally ill. And on top of that, I think a lot of the people that are being diagnosed as bipolar uh, probably aren't bipolar. They probably have some other disorders that usually a lot of times those people are already addicted to drugs. That was the case with my brother. My brother never really felt normal, but he also was on drugs for a very long, a long uh, part of his life. So it was really hard to assess, you know, does he really have this crazy mental disorder uh, or is he somebody that uh, is just addicted to drugs? You know, it's kind of hard to decipher the two. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's very interesting. You know, they, they there's actual studies now that show that uh, exercise uh, by itself um, is very comparable to antidepressants when treating, you know, mild to moderate depression. Right. Now, of course, there's uh, uh, these medications exist for a reason, and, and I'm not saying that you don't need to take these medications. Right. There's definitely some, you know. Uh, there's benefits to them, and a lot of people need them. But I think that the uh, that we might be in in the overprescription, you know, uh, category now with uh, right. a lot of the substances that we use. It's actually with all the substances, shit, even antibiotics, antibiotics, which we, we you need them when you have an infection. We overprescribe the hell out of them, and we're creating these superbugs now that are, uh, you know, that, that are probably in right, twenty years. Right. Yeah, in twenty years, they're going to become like one of the worst medical epidemics that we've ever faced. And uh, nobody's really talking about it right now. Well, an example of that is uh, what happened when they they made oxycontins. Uh, the oxycontins it's a it's a definitely it's a big black market drug. If you don't know this already, you guys, it's uh, they used to and w- the thing that people would do is they would smash them and they would smoke them. And uh, recently, and I believe I, maybe uh, snort them too, right? Yeah, and uh, and maybe Mark knows this better than I do, but I know uh, it's and it was in the last couple of years. That they made that uh, impossible now. So they they made ones now. The ones going forward, you can't crush them up and smoke them like you used to be able to do. Right, and, right, right. And once they did that, it was ridiculous on the 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 dip in in sales. I think it was like an eighty percent reduction in sales. Yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 insane. Um, so moving moving forward, uh, Mark, I want to talk to you about. I don't know if are you can you talk about what you're working on now about the fitness industry and the supplement industry, what you guys are working on. Um, so my brother, um, so, you know, one thing about like, uh, you know, the prescription drugs, uh, prescription thugs movie is, you know, what you end up seeing is my brother's own addictions and stuff, uh, unfold and everything. And my brother, you know, ends up going, uh, and, and getting treatment and getting help. And, uh, he goes to Cliffside Malibu, which is uh, kind of a famous, famous place that helps a lot of people. And he's able to come out the other end. And, and right now we're, uh, He's almost at year number two of sobriety. Um, but uh, what people don't really, I don't think, always understand uh, what families out there need to know that have people that are addicted um, and, and just even people that are going through the process themselves of, of uh, sobriety um, is that it's an ongoing thing. It, it's, uh, it never stops. It's something that, that uh, needs to be dealt with every single day. It's... Um, 
so basically what, what we've done with my brother is, uh, you know, he lived in Los Angeles for a long time. I live in Sacramento. And uh, recently we moved him up here to Sac- the Sacramento area. And now he works for Slingshot. And uh, he's doing uh, videos for me. We produce uh, five videos a week on my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com backslash supertraining06. Shameless plug. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that's, what, that's what we're doing now. He, he's... Uh, He's, he's working for me, but basically, you know, it takes, uh, it takes a family. It takes a community of positive people to, uh, help people out of these, uh, you know, out of, out of addiction. And it's a long, it's a long-term, uh, process. You know, he now lives here. I see him almost every day. He's doing really well. His mind is really clear. Um, he's able to take on a lot of work now, which is new for him. He wasn't able to do that before. Um, when he was addicted, he, you know, he, he could only do a little bit at a time and, uh, even that was hard for him, but now he's able to, uh, you know, take on many tasks at once. And, uh, <laughs> we're, uh, it's a little bit top secret what we're working on right now. Um, but we're working on a special thing for the 10th, uh, 10th year, uh, celebration of super training gym. Super training was started in 2006. And so we kind of have a project cooking, uh, just for that. Um, and also in the meantime, he's got a few side projects that, he, that he's kicking around by no, uh, something he's real passionate about doing is he wants to make a, a documentary film about, uh, strongman competitors. And that's something that he's, uh, just kind of starting to dive into now. So it'll, it'll take, you know, it takes a while for those kind of things to, to be, to be seen all the way through, but, uh, you know, following around, you know, a giant like Brian Shaw is six foot eight and 420 pounds and seeing what that guy eats on a daily basis and seeing the type of training that it takes to, to do strongman training is, uh, slightly different uh style of movie that he's ever done before but i think i think people will really love it well i'll tell you what the first time i ever saw a strong man uh, up close i went to the arnold classic this was a long time ago and there was a booth and they had uh there was a challenge and all you had to do was you had to go up and there was like this uh it was like a cast iron smooth uh almost like a ball it was kind of shaped like a ball but it was a little bit more uh, oval and all you had to do was pick it's it up. It's called a blob. Is that what it? Okay. All you had to do was pick it up with one hand. You yeah. had to gr- grip it with one hand, stand up with it. That was it. And there was a line of people. And we and everybody tried. Nobody could lift this thing. I mean, you could chalk your hands up. You could do everything. I went. And I've got. I'm, I pride myself in having strong hands, and I could. I couldn't get that thing off the floor. And after every single person would try and fail, there was a strong man. Uh, I f- don't remember his name, but it was a massive giant of a of a human. And uh, he would just lift it to show everybody that <laughs> that it was possible. Um, but the guy's hands were like—I mean, my hand looked like a baby's hand yeah. inside inside of his hand. I, I don't. Th- <laughs> I don't think people realize just uh, wh- how big of a difference someone's genes can make and how big and strong they are. I know everybody talks about steroids and you know how much steroids someone takes right. or whatever. But these are just. Massive, giant, big human humans. Beings. Those yeah, are big humans dealing with a yeah. huge body. Yeah, you're you're dealing with a completely different type of you know, human being, um, and it just makes that big of a difference. And uh, I know you 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 were a power lifter for a long time, but um, and I know you know anabolic steroids or and you know and performance enhancing drugs are big in powerlifting, but those guys would be strong anyway without the use of any of that stuff. That's what most people don't realize. Most people don't realize that. When you see guys that are doing that are deadlifting nine hundred to a thousand pounds, that's not because of steroids. Like, that guy would lift fucking five times more than you would lift, no matter what. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> right. It's so, so funny to me when people are yeah, like, yeah, you know, I, I've always, uh, 
you know, being being in powerlifting and being uh, around strength sports for so long, you know. Now, the strongman guys are kind of a different breed, different caliber of, of people. Uh, Brian Shaw, in particular, he's a former basketball player. So, you know, he started out, you know, just being very, very tall and was able to kind of fill out the frame. And then he was able to, uh, from there, you know, be, just be very successful because he's a little more athletic than some of the other strongman competitors. But uh, being around strength sports for so long and seeing so many different guys do things so many different ways, I know plenty of guys that compete in drug-tested federations uh, that kick the shit out of some of the guys that are that are uh, lifting in non-tested federations. You know, guys that are guys that have admitted to being on stuff. Um, you know, deadlifting in the seven hundred pound range, and guys that uh, get tested regularly um, and pass. You know, I'm not saying that they're 100 percent clean, but they're clean enough to not uh, register anything on these tests. And these aren't some bogus tests that they're running. These are legitimate uh, tests that they do. Now, when you And these guys are showing up clean. They're pulling 800 pounds, squatting 800 pounds. There's all kinds of crazy shit. There's uh, Ray Williams uh, competes in the USAPL, which is a drug-tested federation. Uh, he squats over 900 pounds raw. He's a big, big dude, huge guy. Um, but there's a lot of guys, uh, that get tested that do some huge, huge weights. Uh, Lane Norton, Dr. Lane Norton, who does a lot of, uh, great research on nutrition and diet and, uh, supplementation and stuff like that. He's another guy who competes in the USAPL and IPF. Uh, this kid, Jesse Norris, uh, Jesse Norris has squatted 750 in a pair of knee sleeves, deadlifted over 800 pounds. I mean, it's just, there's some real mutants out there and everybody always wants to point, uh, to drug abuse. Um, but really if you thought about it and thought about like, what if I just did, what if I, a had some genetics on my side and B, what if I kind of just did the right thing? Maybe not all the time. Cause that's like impossible to be perfect. But what if you did the right thing? Like 90% of the time, how fucking strong would you be? How far ahead, how muscular would you be like that to me would beat the shit out of any steroid. Taking a steroid is, it can definitely make you stronger. And there's some accumulation that happens with that over a period of time. Uh, but if you were to put a percentage to it, the percentage would be much, much lower than what people think it actually can do for you. Well, 100%, 100% agree. I'll yeah. tell you what, I've been in uh, the fitness industry for a long time, you know, and I've seen a lot of people use steroids. But these were a lot of average people who use steroids. So because, you know, I've seen trainers and gym, you know, gym rats and, you know, people who are not competing in bodybuilding or, or, or any type of professional sport, they're just your average Joe using anabolic steroids. And I'll tell you what, uh, more often than not, I'll see an average guy take a lot of gear and not be that impressive. There was one guy I'll never forget. I worked right. with, I worked with one guy years ago, and I'm not exaggerating. This guy was using like one or two grams of testosterone a week, which is a shit ton of roids for a guy who's, you know, you know an oh, average, yeah. average yeah. dude. And, uh, you know, I could run circles around the guy in the gym, and I looked a lot better, and it was because I paid attention to my nutrition I trained properly, right. and all he did was take a ton of gear and try to look a certain way. Right. Know, and, and it was a, it, I've seen way more than that than the opposite. I've seen way more guys on a lot of stuff that don't look good, than, and I've seen a lot of guys who are natural who look incredible. Well, it's 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 the same problem. One I've, thing one thing that a steroid one thing that a steroid really does uh, for most people is it, it'll help you gain body weight. It'll help you gain muscle mass, and, and in most cases. Uh, 20 to 30 pounds, you know, over, not, not in, not in just one cycle, but 20 to 30 pounds is pretty common, you know, over a year or two. Uh, I weigh approximately about 260 right now. 
uh, before I ever took anything, I was between 205 and 225. And whenever I tried to push past 225, I would get too fat. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy with that. So I had to always kind of stay in the 215, 220 range most of the time to, uh, to kind of look good and be able to perform well before I ever touched anything. Um, but you know, that, that's the main thing that it does. Everybody thinks it turns you into a superhero. Uh, but you know, I'm not saying it doesn't do anything because adding 20 pounds of, of muscle mass is a huge fucking advantage. Um, but that's about what it does for you. It doesn't add 10 pounds every year. It adds about 20 to 30 pounds total. And that's kind of like the cutoff for it. It doesn't do a ton much more than that. And if you get into like doing some of the shit that professional bodybuilders do, they get in the growth hormone and IGF one. And now there's all kinds of crazy peptides going on. Then you'll start seeing even more progress. Then those guys are so on top of their diets and their sleep and their naps and their nutrition that it's just on a whole nother level. And that's how they're able to weigh 285, 290 and be pretty shredded. You know, in addition that you combine that and they're all, they're all pretty much genetic freaks too. You know, they're both, they're genetically, Oh yeah. Right. And then on top of that, they're doing everything they need to do, which is that. And that's a big problem that we see in the the supplement industry. Those are the people that are representing our magazines that are pushing all the supplements that all these kids that are coming up and they, they think that, Oh, first they, first you start as a young kid in your teens and you see your, your idol. That's the, you know, 280 pounds on stage and 6% body fat or less. And you go like, Oh my God, I got to get this supplement. Yes, the protein is. Yeah. It's got to be this, this, the, the pre-workout or whatever he's taking. And you take that forever, realize not that. And then somebody finally pop bursts your bubble and says, he's on all kinds of steroids. And then you think if you start taking all kinds of steroids, you're going to look like him. And then that fucking ruins you too. So, and you realize that it's, it's, and that's kind of what a lot of what we do is kind of uncovering a lot of things like that, that cause we don't, um, we definitely don't cast shadow on any of that stuff. I've I've definitely experimented plenty with with uh, anabolic steroids myself. Competed at the uh, professional level with IFBB, and you know it's 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 in there. But the problem is that so many people uh, do that, and then they 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 lie about it. They don't talk about it, and then it's and they promote supplements, and that's that's right. the stuff that I feel right. needs needs to be uncovered. Is that right? Hey, I'm not I'm not saying any uh, anything's wrong with that. I I myself I think as people have asked me all the time about you know if they if they want to get involved in the uh, IFBB and they want to compete at that level, um, you know, oh, I, but I want to do it naturally. Well, I say good luck, you know, good luck to you because you're competing against a bunch of genetic guys. And on top of that, they're running gear to get to get to that size. And it's tough for an all natural guy right. to, to do that. So, you know, don't be don't be fooled by that just because you you look at their Instagram or you see this and, they'll, you know, they, they say they're right. natural or they promote this this supplement and claim that it's that that's doing that. You know, it's it's really unfortunate. Now, Mark, I got a question for you. You, you, tra- you train. Uh, you you've trained strength athletes yourself, correct? Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. how, how, does your training, does the way you train them, change if they're natural or if they're on anabolics? Do you do you do you notice that you have to change the programming uh, accordingly? No, you know what? I think uh, the the truth of you know everyone makes, especially nowadays. I don't know how this kind of came to be, but everyone. Uh, talks about programming um and everybody wants to talk about programming being like so specific and i I honestly don't think it's that specific i think you know if uh if i was to go to learn jujitsu like somebody would show me kind of one general way to do jujitsu um i'm sure there's like a few different styles a few different ways to go about doing certain things but there's kind of like one major way to put somebody in a fucking arm bar, you know, um, when it comes to strength training, there's not a lot of secrets to it. Um, training a female and training a male is not that much different. 
Um, it can be sometimes. I mean, females a lot of times can get through more exercises in a given day. A female may be more stimulated by doing like seven or eight exercises in, in a given workout where a dude's going to be exhausted if he even tried that. So he might do more like five or, or four. Um, but in general, the, the changes aren't that drastic of whether uh, somebody's loaded up with testosterone or not. Um, a lot of times what I've seen is the younger guys and newer guys, and I actually think this is just important in general, uh, just to like toughen you up and to uh, help you to learn about yourself, is a lot of the newer guys train a lot harder. They're a lot hungrier. Uh, than the older guys. And a lot of times it's the older guys that take stuff, not necessarily age-wise. I'm talking more like a training training age-wise. Like if someone's been training for a year, uh, there are cases where people just hop on steroids right away. But most of the time, if somebody's been training for a little bit, somebody hits a wall and they want to progress and then they start jumping on stuff or they want to see some changes in their body. Um, but usually the training's not all that much different for whether somebody's on them or whether somebody's off them. Um, I do think that a more experienced lifter uh, knows how to kind of fire their muscles a little bit better and know, they know how to uh, drive into the heavier weights uh, a little bit better. So they may actually train a little lighter and almost a little softer uh, than uh, somebody who's newer. Somebody who's newer, they got to get over seeing three plates on the bar and four plates on the bar. They got to get used to it. They got to get comfortable with it. Their nervous system has to kind of be up to speed uh, with everything that's going on. But the unfortunate truth of everything is that the steroids don't really do a whole lot for your nervous system. Uh, they do something for your muscular system. And so uh, when we're talking about strength, we're really trying to prime and get the nervous system to adapt to what we're doing. And that, that's the main goal. And it's really not all that much different no matter who you are. Well, you made an interesting point uh, that an advanced, more advanced lifter would not need to load themselves with as much weight during their training because they could fire the muscles more effectively and more efficiently. They can activate more muscle fibers. This is a very interesting point. Something we talk yeah. about. And, and, why. We, and right. I, I would agree with that because I know with my experience with lifting, I can lift lightweight, but I can make I can really get my, 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 my central nervous system to fire hard with that lighter weight versus somebody who's a beginner where I have to load them. I have to load them with weight in, in order for them to call upon those those muscles to, to get to move that weight. So that's a very, very interesting point. And, right. And, and also too, if you if you've handled if you've handled four plates before uh, on a bench press, let's say let's say you've done four or five before, and I said, all right, man, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna train you for the next six weeks, and we're gonna we're gonna get ready for around a 430 pound bench, and you might think, okay, shit, that's a nice that's 30 pound 30 pounds more than I've ever done before. That'd be you know, or or 25 more pounds I've ever done before. That'd be really cool to be able to do that. But you're not like terrified of it, you know, like whereas somebody newer sometimes they're they're absolutely kind of terrified they're kind of their eyes are you know open real wide when they see that that extra plate go on the bar that some of those extra weights go on the bar they're really it's really uh kind of freaking them out and they're not used to it their form may change when the weights get a little heavier because it's just flat out just uh making them uh uncomfortable they're not used to it whereas with someone like yourself if you've done you know, 400 pounds before you're like, okay, well, if I put a little time and effort into it, you know, over the course of six weeks, that makes sense for me to be able to come out on top of that uh, bigger weight. I've never really tried to uh, just focus in on strength. And I, and I bet that I probably will be uh, somewhere around that 430 pound mark. Whereas a newer person, sometimes they're a little bit more scared of it and they're not used to it. Excellent. Uh, 
So what is your opinion on the current state of the of the fitness industry? I know when you when you go I know for myself, I, I went to convention, you know, some of these fitness conventions a long time ago and went to one more recently, and I couldn't believe how big they were and how about ninety I don't know, ninety five percent of every booth in there was selling uh, supplements. It was very little anything else. It was just like a, it felt like I went to a supplement convention. I don't know if you notice the same thing when you go to these things. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, uh, for myself, um, we're, we're in a, uh, we're in a really good, it's a really good time for me because I'm different than what everybody else has. So, uh, it's fun for me to kind of see, you know, somebody selling the new latest of this or latest of that, uh, stuff, you know, stuff that doesn't work. When you, when you wear a slingshot, like you may be a fan of it, you may not be a fan of it, but if your max bench is 400 and you throw on a slingshot, you can bench 425, 430, 440, and maybe even around 450. Other products aren't going to do that for you. You know, I have a product that it's very black and white with what it does. I sell other products, knee wraps, knee sleeves. They all work the way that they're supposed to work. They all function the way that they're supposed to function. Um, and you know, I, I do kind of like the time that we're in because I like the fact that it's kind of free enterprise. And if somebody is smart, they can deliver a good message. And if they're positive, they can get people behind them. And because they get that support, they're able to sell t-shirts and they're able to sell supplements. I'm a fan of that. I, I like that people are able to do that. I don't want people to sell people a bunch of bullshit, but things like pre-workouts, they do hype you up. They do. Uh, give you some, uh, you know, kind of energy to get through your workout. They do, you know, caffeinate you and get you fired up for your workout. Some of them may be dangerous, um, but <laughs> I, I do kind of like, I like the time that we're in. And I, I like the fact that, you know, uh, a lot of these people are my friends. I do wish people would be more creative and I wish that people would understand it's not about making money today. It's about, it's about kicking ass over the long term. Um, I, I think some, sometimes even some of my friends, some of the people that I'm close with, sometimes they're a little short sighted. And because of that, uh, their, their time in the sun is, is limited. You know, their, their time to shine is limited and their time to make money and their time to, to really profit on what's going on right now. And to really capitalize on what's going on right now is limited. But with the things that I'm doing, you know, my, my objective is not to be, a company that makes stuff for powerlifters. My objective is to be on the radar of Under Armour, Nike, Reebok, all those big companies. That's that's where my company is heading, and that's what that's what we're working so hard on all the time. Is not just making you know products that uh, help people just lift more, but we're also consistently working on uh, just making better products. Period. That not just somebody, not just uh, a powerlifter will like, but that everybody can enjoy. That's a great point. I was going to actually, you know, bring that up because I, I, with my clients, I use your slingshot product more for tube walking and for rehabilitative purposes. So, you know, there's a whole nother avenue there that, uh, you know, is really helpful. And like, there, there's a lot of products out there. I feel that, you know, it, it might have been in, the intended purpose of it might have been for uh, the one extreme in, in fitness, whereas, you know, we're starting to be able to use these products for multiple uh, reasons. So, yeah, that's another thing. Like the slingshot right. is great for that. Well, I'll tell you what, um, the, th- the, the thing that I like about this is that you're focusing your products on how to make people's workouts more effective and how to incorporate and change their workouts to get people moving forward, whereas a lot of other companies focus their products on 
it's constantly on supplements, supplements, supplements. But uh, the right. workout, it's like people forget how important the workout is. You know right. what I'm saying? Like you're talking about your your right. your slingshot for the bench press alone. Uh, that will make a far bigger you know uh, impact on your bench press than taking the latest and greatest. You know, pre- or right. you're not getting all that force constantly on your joints. Like it's another way too. like you mentioned, getting adapted right. to a new weight. You know, that's another you know, it's a smart way to be able to really get your central nervous system to respond to that. So um, that, that's one way I use it. Right. I was going to ask um, you. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask gonna you say, about, like, you know, with, with <laughs> go, ahead, go, ahead, go for it. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about your rubber band training uh, with with powerlifting, and is that what sparked the whole idea for your slingshot product? Um, no. Uh, what sparked the idea for the slingshot is uh, is many torn pecs, basically. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, I, I shit. tore my pec. Yeah, I tore my pec more than once. I, I don't think there's uh, another patent holder out there that can say that they came up with their idea because they tore their pec. So I take great pride in that. <laughs> it's a, a fun little factoid of this of the slingshot. But uh, you know, the the slingshot was made for me out of necessity. And same thing with the compression cuffs. Um, I've had tendonitis in my elbows for years. Uh, I've had that kind of um, uh, tennis elbow type of deal. Uh, you know, when I, every time I squat to the point where it felt like, uh, you know, shit was tearing in my elbows every time I squatted. And so that's, uh, that's where I came up with the idea for the compression cup, but the slingshot tore my pecs several times, tried to come up with a bunch of different ideas of how to allow people, you know, I've always run into people in the gym and they'd always say, Oh, I used to bench 315. I used to bench this. I'm like, man, what, why the fuck all these old timers always talking about what they used to do? Why can't they still do it now? It's old piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started, as I got older and started getting banged up, I'm like, man, I'm turning into those old pieces of shit myself. I'm like, I need to, uh, you know, kind of think of a, <laughs> I need to think of a way for, for people to still be able to enjoy what they do. And so I was just sitting in the gym one day and I had a bench shirt on a very, very large bench shirt. And, uh, I just got done with a training session and I was able to use that, uh, that bench shirt, um, in that training session and used it going into a competition. And when I competed, uh, I did really well, even though I, I hurt my pec in training. And, uh, after the meet, I was just kind of like, man, I, I wish I could make something that's kind of like this, but, bench shirts are way too expensive. They hurt way too much. They look too stupid. Like no one would ever want to wear this. So I worked on a bunch of different ideas that sucked. Um, one of my first ideas, which was kind of at least in the right direction was when you put your shirt on in the morning, if you ever put it over both arms before you put it over your head, that was the original, uh, idea behind the slingshot. I just started kind of pulling my shirt, my elbows back, and the shirt kind of stretched over my chest. And I was like, man, if I can make something that's stretchy, that would go across your chest like this. Anyway, fast forward a few years after making a bunch of stupid things that didn't work. Um, I was able to kind of come up with a slingshot. Everything I, everything I make, um, everything I've done has been a slow uh, process has been, uh, very methodical steps have been taken and everything is like in house. Everything is like, mm-hmm. is really and truly like home, like home. Like, uh, you just come straight from my house. Basically. Like I took material from my house yeah. to my wife's friend. My wife is a swimmer, um, to my wife's friend that, that makes swimsuits. 
and said, Hey, can you sew some of this shit together? And like, I got this idea for this product that will kind of work like this, you know? She came back a few days later. I met her at a Starbucks. When I met her at Starbucks, I said, can you sit right here for just wait for a minute because I'm going to go try this thing out. I walked into a gym that was just literally a few hundred feet away and uh, put 135 on the bar and benched 135 for like 20 reps with the, this kind of ver weird version of a slingshot. And I uh, went back to the woman and said, hey, I need a couple of these to test in my gym. And I was just off to the races right then and there. Everything has been... Everything has been like with my circle of friends. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of feel like one of those rappers that makes it and drags <laughs> his whole posse with him, you know? <laughs> you got the gold uh, teeth so yet, bro? Everything, every, yeah, <laughs> everything has kind of worked that way. You know, I, like I said, I my got my brother working for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff like that uh, that has just kind of. I hate to use the word organic because I don't feel like anything I've done is necessarily organic. I feel it's, it's all it's been fucking forced. It's all been done. It's all been done through hard work and artificial flavors and coloring. But <laughs> you know, that's kind of the, uh, that's, that's kind of the basis that, yeah. of, you know, how, how the slingshot got made, you know? Well, excellent, man. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Mark. What's uh, real quick before we sign off? I want to make sure that uh, we go over real quick all Mark's YouTube channels, your website, all that stuff like that. Could you do a, a quick uh, shameless plug for us for you? All the stuff you got going on where people can yeah, find I wanted, you. I wanted to mention uh, kind of one last thing, uh, you know, kind of about the supplements you guys were talking about. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a fan of supplements. Um, I've never actually taken uh, anything that I felt that was really um, like you know I, that I really thought was revolutionary. Um, back in the day, I took like phosphagen and creatine and all that shit that EAS pumped out, vanadyl sulfate, like all these different things. I always try to take the newest whatever and, and never really saw results from it. However, um, I will say that those things excited me and I was pumped to like try these new things out and to experience them for myself. And they kept me on track with my training. I felt like the supplementation along with the training, like kind of went hand in hand. It got me like fired up. I was like, oh man, I'm taking creatine. I'm going to be jacked. And then I'd go in the gym and I'd, I'd train like a maniac, you know? So I don't think supplements are all bad. I do think that at the very least, they, they can excite somebody. They can keep somebody on their path. They can keep somebody headed in the right direction. I know for myself, if I you know, start to implement more vitamins or start to take more protein powder and things like that, then I'll be more on track with my diet. I'll be paying attention a little bit more to everything else. So, you know, just try to find something that you feel works for yourself. Um, and, and then on top of that, you know, don't let yourself be exposed to bullshit. If something says it's going to increase, you know, your strength by 50%, Everybody should kind of know that that's a joke and that's not really going to happen. But if you do find a supplement that you like, stick with it. Don't be discouraged because you heard, you know, the science of this or that. If you got the money to, to pay for it and it feels good to you and you like doing it, you like the taste of it or you like taking it because it gets you fired up for your workouts, then fucking go for it, man. Don't, don't worry about it so much. And I think that there's a lot of good things that can happen from trying different things out for yourself because it, it in the end, that's really all you're trying to do is you're trying to improve yourself and you're trying to find shit out for yourself. So sometimes that's the way you got to do things is just go out there on your own and fucking bang things out yourself.
Well, that's a that's a real similar uh, argument is like what they do with uh, antidepressants. You know, there's a lot of science that comes out that, you know, what is it exactly that's happening? But we do know that, you know, over 50 percent of the people say that it's helped them out. So whether it's a placebo effect or not, and it's helping, I mean, that's right. that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Right. So if it's if it's what mentally charges yeah. you to get to your gym, just I think that's what really what Mind Pump was always about was uh, just making people aware. Just be aware that if you got the extra money to spend on this or do that, then by all means. But just be aware of what uh, what you are you doing and don't fall for all the the gimmicks and stuff that's out there and the people that actually take a little bit of science and manipulate it. Right. Anyway, uh, yeah, my website's uh, obviously for slingshot stuff and all that type of stuff. You go to howmuchbench.net. That's where I got everything. And... Um, my uh, YouTube channel is youtube.com backslash supertraining06. We have uh, five new videos every single week. We've got four regular videos uh, that are of training, how-tos, power project videos where I answer questions, along with uh, Mark Bell's PowerCast. And uh, you can also look for me on Instagram, at MarkSmellyBell on Instagram and Twitter. Beautiful. Right, Thanks man. for coming on, brother. Right on, Mark. Yeah, we appreciate it. All right, man, guys. It was a lot of fun. appreciate it. Take it easy. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. For more information about this show and to get valuable free resources from Sal, Adam, and Justin, visit us at www.mindpumpradio.com. Until next time, this is Mind Pump.